Hey, this is Thor from Cybrary. If you've been enjoying the Cybrary podcast or one of our other series like 401 Access Denied or Go For It with Sarah Moffat, then make sure to like, follow, or subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. And we'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cybrary.it and you could be featured in a future episode. From all of us at Cybrary, thank you and enjoy the show. You're listening to the 401 Access Denied Podcast. I'm Mike Rowan, VP of Engineering and CISO at Cybrary. Please join me and my co-host, Joseph Carson, Chief Security Scientist at Thycotic, as we discuss the latest news and attempt to make cybersecurity accessible, usable, and fun. Be sure to check back every two weeks for new episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of 401 Access Denied. I'm one of your co-hosts, Joe Carson from uh, Thycotic. I'm the chief security scientist based in Tallinn, Estonia. And I'm again joined with my awesome co-host, Mike. Uh, Mike, do you want to give us an introduction and also what we have in store for us for the discussion today? Yeah, uh, Mike Gruen, VP of Engineering and CISO here at Cybrary, uh, based out of DC. And once again, we're joined by uh, the esteemed Dan Lorman. Uh, I don't know where the conversation is going to go today. So much has been happening. Uh, I think we've uh, we were talking. You know, originally we we're going to talk Colonial Pipeline. Uh, then there was the the convention in G- Geneva. So why don't I just throw it to Dan and let's just see where the conversation takes us. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. It's great. Dan, to Dan, do you want to give a quick intro? Yep. Sure. No, Dan Lorman, um, uh, Chief Security Officer and Chief Strategist with Security Mentor. Uh, in an undisclosed location. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually. <laughs> I'm in Michigan, United States, and uh, it's great to be back with you guys. It's, it's so much fun to always talk to you guys. But also, the last time we talked about ransomware, some of the predictions, I mean, we're like two for two, I think. The election one we did, almost everything yeah. happened. We talked about <laughs> where we said, you know, at the end, is it going to get worse? I said, yeah, I think it's going to get worse. And it got a lot worse. And now we're back talking about ransomware again mm-hmm. and uh, critical infrastructure. And then also what happened at the summit, you know, with Biden and Putin and all the cyber implications of that. Yeah, absolutely, and I think we, we we can't you know without a doubt ransomware is the biggest threat um, to to all companies globally all over the world, and uh, I definitely agree that we, our predictions and discussions were probably right on point and and very timely as well, especially when we looked at things like supply chain, we looked at critical infrastructure, and literally within weeks, all of them basically you know had either some major attack or some incident, ultimately throwing it in the headlines. So I really think, you know, it's, it's organizations really need to look at this. And from the summit itself, what, what really surprised me was that it, what, one, there's a couple of major topics that came from the summit. One was, of course, Putin stating that actually the biggest cyber attackers is the, is the U.S. Um, and that was one thing that I was find, find surprising, that the U.S. is one of the, you know, the biggest attackers uh, uh, from cyber attacks globally. Um, and then the second point was as well, you know, where Biden had made the statement around what he mentioned around these 16 entities that should be off limits to cybersecurity. And I think when you sit back and you look at that, that pretty much covers everything. Um, it was like a, a very vague kind of uh, coverage that if it's a tech company, um, that literally you know, can mean almost all companies. If you're, if you're doing technology, um, you can literally be a tech company. So I think you know, it's really interesting to see where the next couple of weeks, months go, especially when you think about you know, when's the next cyber attack, who's the next victim, and what will be the implications of that? Uh, so any thoughts or any, any kind of, what did you take away from the summit itself? Yeah, those are great, great points. And I, I was, you know, just telling Mike earlier, I, I really think the first thing that's really surprised me was the announcement from NATO right before the summit. So NATO came out and, and you know, they, they made a, a new policy mm-hmm. announcement saying that on a case-by-case basis in this, in this new comprehensive cyber defense policy, um, that they will invoke Article 5 on a case-by-case basis um, if a cyber attack, you know, happens against any nation. So, you know, we've always talked about, you know, the differences. And I think in, in, in circles around technology, we've always kind of seen that a cyber attack very well could be, especially like a Pearl Harbor or Cyber 9-11, could be the same as a physical attack. But this has never really been stated formally, right? So now, you know, they kind of raise the stakes, saying we're all Correct. in this together. Um, and, and NATO coming out with that right before the summit was huge, I thought. Um, I totally agree with you. You know, this line of like, 
Biden uh, coming out and President Biden coming out and saying, you know, critical infrastructure is off limits. Well, and Mike and I was just talking about that. You know, where is that line? So, okay, you can't touch our gas lines. You know, you can't touch our, you know, our meat, you know, or you know, maybe nuclear. You know, we, we know what the critical <laughs> infrastructure sectors are. But is the is the inverse implied that or it's okay to touch the local bakery or, you know, you know, I mean, obviously there's a difference in ransomware here. And I think bringing it back to the colonial pipeline, I, I just found I find it fascinating. You know what happened? We, we haven't talked about this, the three of us. I know we probably have. Yeah. discussed this in podcasts and stuff but when they came out and apologized and said we're sorry we you know we just wanted the money we didn't mean to cause like no gas in the in the southeast united states and the gas lines i actually believe that's probably really true that they they didn't intend they didn't maybe maybe who knows whether they intended that or not but there's going to be you know going forward there's going to be this line and they've, they've announced now so a couple things they're going to have mm -hmm. a call what do you want to call it committee commission joint task force, yep. whatever, to figure out, you know, rules of engagement in this new cyber world. You know, if you want to call it the red phone, you got to call, you know, you cross the line with this one. So it's almost like, you know, what is that line? How do you define it? You know, certain ransomware is okay, but others is not. I mean, I know the president didn't say that, but there, there's going to be a lot of, you know, kind of jockeying for position and, and what does mm -hmm. that mean? Um, and plausible deniability. Of course, Russia came out and said that you know we don't we don't know anything about this. We didn't do anything about it. My sense was, and I came out with a blog about this. I we can get it to you guys and we can post it later. But um, almost two sets of negotiations. Publicly, they're going to say one set of things, and then behind the scenes, you know, you got the intelligence, you got stuff at the top secret level. We can prove stuff. The people know what's going on, really. And you know, what is that line? How do you define it to make sure that that steps are taken? So. Those are just some of my thoughts. And Dan and I were talking before, and I think this is what's interesting to me on the Article 5 stuff, which is like in the old days, right, war was war. Like you, like when a military launched a military operation, you knew that it was backed by the government and so on and so forth. In this new cyber world, a lot of the actors aren't as directly tied to the state. And so it's going to be interesting to see how those rules of engagement also, like what happens if it's just a set of bad actors within our borders it, you know, and, and what does that imply and how how's this all going to unwind? It, it's, it's just a really, like, messy and interesting. And, yeah, just trying to wrap your head around all that is going to be, we'll see how yeah. it unfolds. Yeah, I think one of, one of the things is that it's, it, it goes back to a lot of what I've mentioned before around ransomware. A lot, some countries have been giving safe harbor. They've been giving right. safe havens to criminals as long as they operate against basically not, you know, against their own country. Um, as long as they attack other nations that may not be as friendly um, uh, to, to their nation. So that's always been the case. Now the situation, the problem we get down to is that there's no accountability for those uh, criminal operators within those countries. There's no basically extradition. They're not being brought to a criminal court. And that's really where, and I think the cooperation needs to be focused around that, is that if you do have criminals operating within the country that are attacking other countries and other infrastructure, they need to be held accountable. And it's the government who should be held responsible for bringing them to basically to justice. And this was really what we need to get to. And that's where all countries need to come together to provide that cooperation, transparency, and hold those countries who do provide safe havens for criminals accountable for the actions. Um, and this is really where we need to get a, a cooperative stance. And I hope this is some of the discussions that did hap happen at the, the convention um, and at the summit. And I really do want to see some accountability coming out of this. Um, you know, it can't be just words. It, it needs to be actionable. And that's what yeah, we really I, need to see. It does make me think of like other similar situations. I don't want to get into like a whole political discussion, but like other situations where it's sort of similar to, let's say I'm just uh, a group that's launching rockets out of my area. I'm not really necessarily part of that government. It's the same sorts of, you know, it's how, do you, how does the government respond to those, those people? And, you know, how does that government... And I don't think we have a great track record around the world of dealing with mm -hmm. these things. So um, I agree with you, Joe, but yeah. I'm also somewhat, I think, more skeptical that we can get there. Dan? And I think I think the challenge we've got, you know, I come, for those who don't know me, I, I come, my background is National Security Agency. I'm not going to talk about those years. And <laughs> in England, with, you know, working with NSA and GCHQ. And and the, the, the reality is you read the books from the from the Cold War, right? There's always two sets of things going on. You have these nuclear summits. You have these different things. 
But behind the scenes, you know, the Russians are hacking the U.S. embassy in Moscow and, and you know, and, and all these other things are going on. They're, they're fascinating reads. I love that, you know, it's kind of James Bond kind of stuff. But it, a lot of it is, you know, most of it is true. Um, a lot of it is is really, you know, fascinating. So so my point is, in this new cyber world, you know, I believe that, you know, at one level, you know, there's there are things that Russia does not want to have happen. They want to be on the world stage. They want to be in the G G eight or G seven. They want to they want to be a player. You know, the very fact many many commentators were saying before the summit, um, Putin already won by just having this event. You know, we're watching the cars as they're driving through Geneva, and the president's getting out of the car. And what color is his suit? And you know, you know, Putin, and, and he comes walking up and he shakes hands with you know, and all of this, all that pageantry, if you will, is what Putin wanted, right? He wants to be in the world stage. Yeah. He wants to be a player. I don't see Russia giving up. I mean, I, I don't think they can. They think they can compete with, you know, the U.S. Navy and the U.S., um, you know, space program and and all of that, you know, and economically, et cetera. So but they can. I think I believe they think they can compete in cyber, but they don't want to cross that line. They don't want to go. You know, what is that line? Where Where is that line? That line is fuzzy of being called a terrorist state. You know, I'm not a North Korea. I'm not an Iran or a Hamas, you know, just blowing things up or whatever it might be. And maybe <laughs> the supporters of Hamas, I'm sorry. But I'm just saying that they don't want to be labeled as a terrorist right. organization. And and so, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's going to be two sets of things going on here. There's going to be, I agree with you, Joe, we need those international norms. We need to hold criminals to account. I'm 100% with you. And yet when you bring nation states in, you've got the, you know, decades old espionage, hacking kind of what's allowed because you know, I don't, you know, I don't believe the U S your initial point is hacking nearly as much as these other countries are, no. but I have no doubt that the U S is doing some hacking from our, from our side. And we'll go into that, but I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. you know, there's a hack back thing going on, you know, to get some of these, you know, Bitcoin back and everything else. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my point is, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what the new rules of engagement are. Like you mentioned, what happens next, how that works. And then I, maybe a little bit later in the show, we could go through this new, um, you know, practical task force recommendations. And one of these is about nation states. But there's there's you know, really a whole list of recommendations that really need to be um, taken seriously by companies around the world, certainly in the United States, to make sure they're doing what they can to defend themselves. Um, and, and one of the one of the recommendations is around nation states, Joe. We can we can walk through what, what some of those top recommendations are. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I, want, I do want to cover as well is that, you know, recently with the uh, ransomware attacks, a lot of it has been impacting critical infrastructure and supply chain, which, which yeah. you know, we've seen, you know, that being fragile alone and, you know, uh, causing basically panic at petrol stations, you know, at gas stations, people just rushing and filling up their backs of their pickup truck with gas. You're just like you're shocked to see some of those things happening and the price fluctuations as well. And then looking at what was it, one, one third of the global meat supply uh, being impacted. Um, you, you cannot look at those and really this fragile of just in time, you know, uh, was it delivery, just in time production, all of those things that, you know, the supply chain and how fragile it can be. And, you know, who, who knew that meat um, could, could drive a lot of people to panic um, and, and increase, you know, the prices of certain things um, significantly. So, you know, how, how fragile is it right now? Um, and is this just the tip of the iceberg, what we're going to see uh, coming? Uh, what, what do you think around the critical infrastructure? And, and even, you know, the amounts of money being paid to, to the criminal, you know, underground, uh, for me, was shocking. Um, in, in, in a couple of, let's, you know, let's look at the, the Colonial Pipeline one. What was shocking for me was it wasn't actually the scatter controls. It wasn't the pipeline that was impacted. It was the billing um, software. And the management decided to shut down. The, the the there's basically the, the controls and the scatter um, and the movement of the gas because they couldn't calculate the billing side of things. So it shows how how IT and OT have a very very strong connection. Even if they might be you know let's say ergapped in some elements, but there is a connection between basically you know measuring um, the billing side versus the OT side of things. And then we get into for JBS that for me. Around what was specifically interesting there was that they did mention they were restoring from backups, and then all of a sudden you find out later that they did actually pay a ransom of what was eleven million dollars. Um, for me, you know, those figures are shocking. Um, you know what, what's driving these? I mean, these major companies. What's driving them to having to pay the ransom? 
Um, I don't, and I don't think the solution is going to get the FBI to try and siphon some of the money back. I don't think that's the, the long-term solution either. Um, so any thoughts around, you know, what, what could these companies do better? Um, and, you know, what should other companies learn from it as well? Yeah, so much to unpack. <laughs> That's why we have the show. Yeah. <laughs> those are great points. I mean, those are really, really good points. I mean, st starting high level, I mean, I think we really should at some point walk through these five recommendations, the top five priority recommendations, mm -hmm. and, and several of them yep. do address individual companies. Um, I would say we are very vulnerable. I mean, and we are, and, and, you know, the very fact that we're having the summit, um, I'm not, you know, there's, there's a lot of other um, issues with Russia mm -hmm. in the United States right now, um, obviously around dissidents and, and you know, all, um, uh, just a whole, whole range of issues we had to deal with. Um, but I, mm -hmm. I think there's, there's a real sense with, you know, some of the other things that announced in the last few weeks. Um, with China hacking different other uh, vulnerabilities in nuclear facilities, other types mm -hmm. of uh, announcements, you know, what happened in, in, these are just the two big ones, but the same, the week after we resolved the colonial pipeline, you know, all of the NHS going down in, in, in Ireland and being down for almost a week. Um, you know, the, 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 the vulnerabilities are widespread. Um, it's, it's a little bit, it's almost like America woke up. Mm -hmm. I think the colonial pipeline, there have been bigger incidents, bigger breaches, bigger problems in America. I don't mm -hmm. know that there's ever been anything more impactful than what happened. You know, that that, that five-year-old kids are now asking dad what's ransomware because they're seeing the lines at the gas station. I mean, you know, that just has not happened because even though there's been much bigger ransom payments, there have been bigger incidents than this, the OPM breach, others. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. answer vulnerability is we're very vulnerable. I think it's going to take a sustained. I do think when no one wants to use the word Cold War um, in the in the release after the after the um, summit, they've said, you know, we're not we don't want to have mm -hmm. another Cold War. We don't want to. I think we're in a cyber Cold War. I think it is exactly what's going on. Nobody wants to use those words. But I, I really do believe that it's it's that line, you know, crossing that line. There's going to be two sets of things going on. We're going to cooperate at some level. Because, again, people want to play on the world stage. We're going to have so much with China, so much with Russia. But behind the scenes, there's going to be a lot of espionage going on with both sides. Um, so, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys want to read through some of these some of these arguments, of some of these recommendations. Uh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, yes, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, let's, 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 let's go through, through, through the list. Yeah. First of all, just for people to know, go to securityandtechnology.org, securityandtechnology.org, and then um, – and then – Hash of um, backslash ransomware task force backslash report. That's really where this is at. So you can you can just type in ransomware task force. It pops right up in Google. Um, so the first recommendation is we need a coordinated international diplomatic law enforcement effort proactive, proactively prioritize ransomware through a comprehensive resource strategy, including a carrot and stick approach to direct nation states away from providing safe havens to ransomware criminals. So that's exactly what Joe was just talking about. That was the first recommendation and the first thing we have to have kind of right out of the gate. Um, the second one is the United States should lead by example and execute a sustained, aggressive, whole-of-government, intelligence-driven, anti-ransomware campaign. So whole-of-government, anti-ransomware campaign coordinated by, the White House, coordinated by the White House must include interagency working group led by National Security Council, in coordination with the National Cyber Director, an internal U.S. government joint ransomware task force, and a collaborative private industry-led informal ransomware threat-focused hub. So that was two. I'm just going to give you a five. Number three was governments should establish cyber response and recovery funds to support ransomware response and other cybersecurity activities. Mandate that organizations report ransomware payments. We'll talk about this. I think there's a lot of controversy <laughs> around this. Do you have to mandate? Is it is it shaming? A lot of pushback on this one, but we'll talk about that. Require organizations to consider alternatives before making payments. Um, talk to a number of different people on the task force personally, and that was a big debate. Do you do you outlaw ransomware payments? Do you not? Is that helpful? Is that not helpful? We can talk about that. Number four, internationally coordinated efforts should develop a clear, accessible, and a broadly adopted framework to help organizations prepare for and respond to ransomware attacks. Um, in some under-resourced and more critical sectors, incentives such as fine relief and funding or regulations may be required to drive adoption. And then last but not least, 
the top, mm-hmm. top five, and there's like over 50 recommendations, but these are the top five. The cryptocurrency sector that enables ransomware crimes should be more closely regulated. Governments should require cryptocurrency exchanges, crypto kiosks, and over-the-counter trading desks to comply with existing laws, including Know Your Customer, KYC, anti-money laundering, AML, mm-hmm. and combating financial financing of terrorism laws. So again, there's a sense that cryptocurrencies maybe not be the cause of the problem, but they're certainly enabling the problem or, or, or you know, um, basically causing a growth. Stop there. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I think def- definitely for me, it's, it's, a, it's a good starting point. I think there's a lot more that needs to be done. Um, I definitely, for you know, around that transparency. Um, one thing that you know, you definitely hold in on on the making payments side of things and mandating reporting. Uh, it doesn't need to be public reporting. It should be to at least law enforcement, so at least they're keeping track and records of the victims and providing at least you know. Um, the good thing is that once you know a lot about. Um, who the victims are, and you find out more about the techniques that was used, you can typically associate that to a specific criminal group, um, which is important. It's important to know who's the who's the biggest act. A lot of these ransomware gangs, probably a large portion of them, are probably making up about 80%. You know, that's in a handful of uh, the, the criminal groups. They're probably just, you know, in a few groups specifically, that's causing a large amount, especially the ones that's turned into affiliate programs. Uh, like we, we've seen um, in, in recent times with the dark side, they were affiliate program. They they were not distributing the ransomware themselves. They were making it available to other criminals who would actually use it, and they would receive payments um, in regards to that, or loyalty payments, almost like a partner program. And that's what's really accelerated a lot of this ransomware as a service scenario. So absolutely, and I think you know where they had some type of ethics saying we we don't want to target hospitals or critical infrastructure. But when you're doing an affiliate program and you're not controlling significantly who becomes the victims, that's going to get out of control. That's that's where you have you know some type of loyalty between criminals, some type of you know code of conduct between criminals about who who you attack and who you don't attack. Um, so for me, I think getting into the transparency, getting into the reporting, I think it's really important, um, and making sure you know should ransomware payments be be permitted, um, because I think when you think about it, it is funding a terrorist group. That is, it, these are terrorist groups. They're cyber terrorism. It's, they're using ransomware as a cyber weapon, which is a significant uh, impact for organizations. And therefore, this should be really classified in terrorism. And I think that's what NATO, uh, Jens, uh, had mentioned, that this is terrorism. Um, and that's where they were looking at it, you know, to hold those countries accountable and trigger Article 5. Um, so this really kind of brings a big question into, you know, uh, you know, quickly, of course, the dark side quickly disappear. Of course, the latest one with JPS, um, with uh, uh, our evil, um, a rebel, um, depending on how you want to call it. Um, you know, <laughs> they they didn't disappear. Like they're, they're continuing <laughs> to. to uh, our evil is that is the, is what they do call themselves. Uh, but it really gets into, you know, what what happens in the next one? Um, are is actions going to be really taken? Because you know, it's, it is only a matter of time. I think almost in a, you know, every, every day there's a ransomware victim. It just comes into someone, uh, the next victim being, let's say, a supply chain or critical infrastructure again. Uh, what actions, what, what do you think the government's going to take in the next one? Um, do you think they're really going to take a significant action when it does happen again? Yeah, there's a lot of debate about that. And, and you know, there's a whole chain. Mike and I were talking earlier um, Related to what can the government, what can they do? Um, what can they you do? know, and and I mean, on the, right. on the one extreme, mm-hmm. on the one extreme, people actually saying, you know, let's have a cruise missile, you know, almost like you know, you know, in Libya, you know, in the b- bombing of Pan Am. Just go back in history again, learning from yeah. history. You know, when the Pan Am one hundred three went down, you know, or you know, Reagan bombing Libya, and all, you know, I mean, that's an extreme. But some people say, you know, the physical worlds and cyber worlds are coming together. At some point, will there be a physical, you know, we know where they live and we know, you know, the apartment they're in. Will there be a cruise missile kind of going into somebody's, you know, apartment complex? Um, mm-hmm. Somewhere in the future, that probably is going to happen on the extreme. Now, if that's in downtown Moscow, I don't think so, because mm-hmm. that's now an act of war. Now the U.S. is launching missiles into, into Russia. I mean, I don't see that happening in the future. Now, the hacking back question Again, you've got a lot of issues around attribution. And, and Joe, you probably know way more about this than I do, but attribution is hard. Yeah. And, and 
you know, there's still a lot of people pointing at, you know, was it China? Was it Russia? Or different events? Or was it somebody else? Or was it launched right here in the United States, you know, by somebody in some other part of the world, you know? And, and so there's all these different themes around that, you know, what people say. Um, I think hacking back for sure is happening now. Um, will that become legalized? Will that become some kind of self-defense law in the United States where you have the ability, you know, to, again, there's different levels of this. I think we talked about this in a previous show. You know, what level of, is it, is yeah. it defense? Is it, you know, you can go after the IP address that attacked you, but no, no further. I mean, there's all kinds of different implications to that. But I do think that um, when when this happens and when there's a perceived crossing of the line, there's going to be at some point, probably in the next six, six months or a year, I don't, I don't know when, it's hard to put timelines on this, but you know, soon enough, there's going to have to be a show that, hey, we're not going to tolerate this and we're going to do something in response. Um, I think there's a range of options all the way from military all the way to, you know, I'll, I'll Stuxnet, we know what happened with that. Um, you know, could could they, could you bring down the capabilities of the terrorist organization of, of the of the cyber criminals? I think all of that is on the table. And I think those kind of scenarios and contingency plans are being put in place right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think for, for me, going back and your point, attribution is the most difficult thing in our industry. Um, cyber attacks can be launched from anywhere at any time, automated. And a lot of the cyber criminals out there, they use what's called a misdirection. They will basically, you know, you've got attackers basically repurposing other uh, nation states' code and repurposing it, making it look like it came from another country. And therefore, you know, misdirection is an attribution is one of the most difficult things. Um, and the last thing you want to be doing in a cyber scenario is attacking the wrong uh, victim. As attacking right. another the other victim. thing, the other thing is they they hopscotch, right? Like they they where they're attacking from isn't necessarily this, this the country that are actually you. attacking you. They may themselves have been compromised by Correct. an attacker, and so now you're just attacking another victim, um, as opposed to the actual group. And so I think that's another part of attribution that makes it very very difficult. Absolutely. So Joe, and, what and, do you and, think? And then, you, you know, think I think this really comes down to, yeah. Say it again. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, what, what do you think would no, be the action asking? if, yeah, if if they hit a if they hit a uh, major infrastructure utility? What do you think the action would be that the U.S. would would, would respond with? I think I'd say right now, if if a critical infrastructure is hit, um, I think one the most important thing is is confirmation of attribution, at least as down to the origin as much as you possibly can. Um, before you do any action, you want to make sure you, you take all political types of actions before you get into taking a, let's say, um, a kinetic type of attack back. You want to make sure that basically you've verified with high confidence that you've got the origin. If you know it's within a certain country, um, then you have to hold that country responsible. You have to basically political rams get in touch with the government. Um, you know, if there's multiple countries or let's say, this uh, company or the victim is a multinational, they want to get sure, make sure that all of those countries that have been impacted by this cooperate together to hold that country responsible and accountable to make sure that they actually provide a basically some type of, you know, let's say Europol or Interpol type of cooperation to bring the criminals to justice. So ultimately, um, you know, if, if it, it's difficult, if, it, if that cyber attack does cause death, um, or does cause human, you know, impact, um, then, of course, you know, that really will come up to the determination whether there is a kinetic response to that. Um, but I think the first things we should all be doing is, one is definitely silently, you might be doing offensive capabilities back in order to verify, to determine attribution, to get the logs yourselves, to get the confirmation who was behind the keyboard. And a lot of that's been happening in the background that we don't see. But I think the first and foremost is always a... a, a a political um, response versus a military one. I think that's uh, the last thing we want to be doing is making things escalate. Um, and they can quickly get out of control if we do take uh, military responses. I'm curious what you guys think uh, we might be doing, like rather than in a reactionary way, but more in a preemptive way, right? What do you think the government could be doing to sort of help defend and protect our own, you know, companies and infrastructure and the rest of it 
from these types of attacks. I'm sure there's actions that they're already taking. You know, I, you know, I don't know, you know, but I can sort of think of some, and I'm curious what you guys think are some things we could be doing or the government could be doing preemptively. Yeah, I could start. I mean, I, think that's definitely, I would say... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I think that there's sector-specific plans already that we've been talking about for, you know, more than a decade. I remember being in a, in a meeting in 05, so 16 years ago in Michigan, where we, you know, the original critical infrastructure protection sectors, mm-hmm. you know, every sector needs a plan. What do you do if you're attacked? I mean, obviously, one of the first ones was the, was the electric grid, but oil and gas, um, they have plans. Um, I think, you know, the supply chain angle has made it infinitely more complex. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you, you have, um, you know, in Michigan, we have Consumers Energy, Detroit Edison, and the big, mm-hmm. I don't call them wealthy, but the larger utilities maybe had a really good plan. Um, and, you know, but, but the scenarios only went so far and, and it's like, if certain things happen, who you're going to call or, you know, and then of course we had the target attack a few years back and it was a supplier. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, you know, we had solar winds was, you know, obviously a supplier to all of these companies that were then hacked via solar winds. And so the issue is, you know, kind of covering all the doors and all the exits and all the entrances and all the employees is very, very hard. And so I think most of these critical sectors, number one, they already had the plants. Um, many of them thought they were ready five years ago. I mean, I, I've been involved in some of those tours. I've seen, you know, the, the, the complexes and the, you know, the auto, you know, here's all the things we've done since the last time we met. And, and it was an impressive list. Problem is they didn't generally want to go maybe tier one, tier two, tier three. They didn't want to necessarily hit all the different exits. Um, nobody wanted to go there like, okay, solar winds is going to get hacked and it's going to impact, you know, thousands of companies around the world because that was kind of off the table, if you will. I, nobody formally said that, but no one really, it wasn't in the plan before, kind of like, you know, our key, all of our key suppliers are going to get hacked. And then what are we going to do about that? Um, so I think the challenge we've got is the horses are already out of the barn and we're making, we're building a better barn. I mean, it's going to take some time. So I think in every single sector right now, they're meeting with them. They're saying, okay, you used to go this far, wherever that line is. Now you need to go this far. You know, they, they, you need mm-hmm. to go further. And it's going to take time to say, well, what does that mean? I mean, I'm talking about, you know, secure code, um, everything from awareness training and, and um, cyber hygiene, making sure patches are applied. You know, and people said, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to apply critical patches within, I'm making this up, two weeks. Well, two weeks may not be enough. Maybe it's got to be two hours. And and, and going right, from but two, two hours weeks, might leave you vulnerable too, because maybe that I was actually the patch. That- <laughs> and, and, right. and the other thing is, and the other thing is, to that same point, we had this issue, and it's like a question of some people would say this. I mean, I'm not going to say it in public, <laughs> but I mean, I'm 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 actually sympathetic to to, to this thought. If they really want to get the Russian government really wants to get your company, will they get them? I mean, if they decide they're going to apply enough resources, they're going to, you know, fly in university students who are going to get jobs as interns and they're going to be inside and they're going to physically have people on the ground. And they're going to I mean, there's there's all kinds of ways, you know, governments and companies can be compromised. Again, learning from history. Right. We have the Pollard case at NSA. We've got all the espionage cases. And we know some of those stories. You can read about them. Um, it's really hard. Um, but but I'd say for companies, it's not hopeless because if you're going to be basically do 90, 95 percent of the hi- cyber hygiene things, you can stop the vast majority of these attacks. The vast majority of these attacks are not coming from the Russian military government. I don't believe that. I mean, I, I agree with Joe. It, it's it's criminal organizations and they're. No, it's, it's, it's the, old, the old cliche of if you have protections on your house, you just have to be more secure than the house next to you <laughs> because the robber's going to say, I'm not going to that house. They've got all these alarms and systems and everything else. I'll just go next door. I mean, there's some truth to that. And, and so if you've got certain protections in place, you're going to be better than, than the guy next to you. Um, does that solve all of the problems? I mean, we've got years of work 
Um, and, and the bad guys are getting better all the time. So I think this is going to be an ongoing Cold War for, for the next few years at least. Yep. I mean, I'm kind of hoping that there's some some government organization that's like uh, on the more law enforcement side that's using law enforcement type techniques to infiltrate these criminal. I mean, the nice thing is these are organized crime organizations in a way. They're affiliates. They, they you know, there's got to there's clearly ways to sort of infiltrate and potentially help identify companies that are vulnerable just by being part of that, for, you know, by having your your sort of normal investigation absolutely techniques uh, that's so for me mike I, I completely agree that's that's the path that we need to go down because i don't think i don't think there's anything we can do defensively to be honest um mm-hmm. to protect everybody you, you know some some infrastructure some critical infrastructure some agencies some companies can put the best and you know the brightest security solutions in place but i think that's you know not everyone's going to be covered by that and you're going to have many, you know, many victims. And I think the two things you really need to go after: one, when you want to stop these types of crimes, um, you know, you, you go back, you know, Dan, you mentioned, you know, looking back in history, you can go back into the, the mafia, the mobsters, the criminal gangs that operated, you know, 20, 30 years ago. That you go basically, you infiltrate the gangs and you go after the money. Um, that's the two methods. And I think, you know, Mike, you're alluding that you really need to make sure that you understand who's behind these criminal organizations. That there, there is a face and a name. That's what you want. You want to make sure who, who, and if it is a decentralized group working together, you want to bring, you want to bring that visibility out. You want to, you know, bring the awareness and knowledge about who's, or who's, who's basically behind these organized crime from criminal perspective. And the second point is going after the money, making it impossible for them to get paid. Um, These are the ways that you can actually make sure that it becomes less lucrative, less attractive to become a ransomware criminal. And I definitely think, you know, what NATO had mentioned and, and what the, the, the um, uh, U.S. government's alluding to is that this is a national security issue. Because I think there's a big difference between one is there's, there's the likes of traditional espionage types of information gathering and, uh, you know, finding out about your adversary. That's one thing. But when you're attacking them a ransomware, ransomware is not information gathering. It's a destructive weapon. Um, and there's there two very different approaches. Um, so I think that, you know, this should be really treated as terrorism. It should be basically going after um, as much as possible by as many companies and you know, countries um, as possible to make sure that one is that the money is not going to get paid. And two is that they infiltrate and actually, you know, bring the, uh, you know, those members of the organization, you know, the leaders of those organized crime to the surface so they can be held accountable. Um, if they have, you know, they can't stay anonymous. I, I think the, the recent sting operation that they did with the non-app, I think that was very intelligent. It was very targeted. You had to have that phone. Um, you know, it, of course, it'll lose the privacy and a lot of privacy will, will kind of raise a lot of questions over the methods. But for me, it basically, you know, you had to be given the phone. You had to be in access. It was a very targeted approach. But it did bring a lot of criminals to the surface. It did actually bring them out of behind um, those anonymous, you know, uh, basically uh, uh, curtains. I think that's techniques. That's where, Mike, I think traditional law enforcement practices, I think they can go to better use that direction than trying to work on the defensive side. Um, I think that's a much more difficult approach. Yeah, I'm also curious, Dan. I, you know, we talked, uh, Joe and I talked a couple episodes ago about, you know, the FBI. I'm trying to remember the, yeah. the you know, where they went in and they were actually, you know, notified people of like, hey, your servers well, are... Group. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the exchange um, servers, p- patching the exchange servers. Right, was the pat- patching exchange servers for you. I'm curious, Dan, what, what maybe your thoughts are. Is that like, you know, should the FBI be going around? Should we have people, you know, law enforcement coming to our doors and making, you know, shaking them and making sure they're locked and letting us know if they're unlocked and if they are unlocked, coming inside and locking them for us? That's <laughs> happening. I mean, it's happening now. I mean, I, I I've, you know... And Joe's got probably more experience with this than me, but I done some speeches back, even going back 10 years ago in, in Eastern Europe and, and, you know, the FBI agent stationed right there, you know, where the criminal gangs were. So, man, we just had a bus like yesterday in Ukraine about a, 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 a ransomware yes. gang, which was, a, which was a really good one. So, I mean, I do certainly, to me, it's, I agree with a large part of what Joe said. I think it's going to be all of the above. I think mm-hmm. it, it's like, there's not any one simple answer, you know, taking the incentives, you know, the, the cryptocurrency, the payment method, you know, tr- tracing the money. I mean, it was interesting this morning talking about, you know, some of the other topics from the summit with Putin, uh, President Putin and, and, and Biden, President Biden, um, 
you know, what they thought would be successful, what, what Russia fears. And it's, like this gentleman said it was foreign bank accounts, freezing foreign bank accounts of, of high level mm-hmm. Russian officials. And they know where they are and they know where the money is. I mean, I think it's an all of the above approach. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at the ransomware task force, there's like 50 recommendations in there mm-hmm. and they've got the top five that we read. But you go read those. And, and the challenge is it's kind of like so many things in life, you know, define a good athlete in basketball. You said, well, do, do I need to run? Do I need to run? Do I need to shoot? Do I need to throw? Do I need to catch? Yes, 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 yes. You need to do all of the above. It's like, well, what if I'm a really good hitter, but I can't catch, you know, or I'm not very fast and I'm not, you know, and we start getting into like, okay, how good of a player is this player? And whatever the sport is, man or woman, whatever it is. And I think the same thing is true in this. I mean, I think there's a lot of pieces to this. I think defense Mm -hmm. is a big piece of it. Um, I think it's, we've got to get better um, at, protecting ourselves um, in the same way, again, learning from history, you know, it's, it's making it, the government's got to help with this. It's got to be a public private thing. I do think to your question, Mike, the FBI is doing that. Now we used to always say when I was a CSO for Michigan government, um, you know, and, and we would see the FBI would knock on doors, not thank God, not in our situation. We had a very open line with them with InfraGuard. So a lot of public private working together, um, but a lot of times it was the FBI that would notify companies that they had been hacked. Um, uh, you know, and, and again, with ransomware, it's more the other way around. Now they're getting encrypted and then they're, you know, they're calling the FBI. But certainly with data, with, with data breaches, in many cases I know of, uh, it is somebody in law enforcement, Secret Service, FBI, state police, somebody notifying people that, you know, that their name is on a list or their credentials have been compromised or their information is available in the dark web. Um, you know, you need to do this right now because this is coming. I think better intelligence um, about what's coming next. All of that needs to kind of ratchet up the game so that people, you know, there's a deterrence. And then we also need the offensive piece of it as well. So I, I think it's all of this has got to get better because right now, to be honest, today we are very vulnerable and we're behind. The cyber criminals are winning. And I think Russia is going to probably take a step back and, and uh, some other countries that may be hosting these criminal gangs. Um, they want to mm-hmm. at least show for a time that they're participating in some kind of international cooperation. But I think quietly there's going to be other stuff still going on. I, I don't see this. I mean, I, if guys, if I come back in three years, I think we're still going to be talking about cyber criminals in Russia. Yeah. And I, I don't think mm-hmm. it's just going to end any more than we can say we're going to end crime in American cities. Uh, I completely agree. What's I mean? We've seen a lot of the gangs being, you know, let's say, arrested and convicted within Ukraine. Do you think Ukraine is is a major hotspot for this? Um, because a lot of the the major arrests around uh, ransomware gangs and criminal gangs have come from Ukraine recently. Uh, what what role do you think Ukraine has in it, um, or is it just more of a a place to operate, you know, for for Russian criminal gangs? I think it's a cooperation that we have with Ukraine that we don't have with Russia. I mean, I think I think that um, (laughs) Ukraine, I mean, it's it's working together. It's like okay, you know, we're partners. We're gonna, you know, and and Korea was involved in this latest one, um, and other international. It's it's, you know, so I I think again, I I think I know of I know of FBI agents that you know again. Things I can, can't share publicly, but I mean that that work together <laughs> with that work together with with Russian agents to actually stop certain types of cybercrime. So I think there's a level of cooperation we have with different countries that where we will cooperate in certain situations when it's in those countries' national interests. I don't think it's the same across the board, and I think our level of cooperation with Russia is way, way, way in China. Yeah much lower than it is with the Ukraine. Yeah. Do you also I mean one of the things I also kind of my concern is that um, a lot of these cyber the criminal guys are mercenaries. I t- tend to call them mercenaries um, in many cases is that my concern is that one of the reasons why certain nation states are giving them a you know a blind eye is that on occasion they do work for the government. Um, and this is this is the challenge is that they don't want you know to have that connection or have that you know let's say attribution tied to the government when they're having these mercenary groups carrying out sometimes government uh, initiatives 
Um, do you think that this is something that might be a challenge, uh, especially for the Russian government to to cooperate in those regards? That if we do have mercenaries totally who agree. have in the past done certain work um, in order to to get that blind eye from the government and to get the ability to continue their criminal operations, um, what do you think this this might uh, cause some challenges? I totally agree with you, Joe. I, I think I heard I forget his name now. I wish I did. I should have. I didn't prepare for this, but. A few years back, I heard a, a journalist from, I think, I think he was either from the BBC or the London Times, who gave a fascinating talk. It was like an hour-long talk I, I, I sat in on at a, at a major conference, and a cyber conference, and he kind of walked through one case. And he kind of traveled the world to mm-hmm. find the, you know, to find that name and find that face. And he, and he got cooperation and, and it literally was working with the Russians and you know, ch- chasing these people all around Russia. Mm-hmm. He was like a flight behind these guys. And uh, it got down. To, I mean, I won't go into the whole spiel, but I mean, it's a, it's a great presentation. But, you know, kind of going back in the history, you can, the guy wrote a book about it. And it was like saying exactly what you just said. It's like this. They finally chased him that one city in Russia. And it was I mean, again, this is probably paraphrased. So I might get some of these facts wrong. But by and large, the guy's uncle was a general. His cousin was, you know, working in the, you know, working with the with the government. Uh, he himself wasn't, but he had been in the past. And it was like the bottom line is these guys have different hats. They wear them different. Sometimes the government officials, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're related to government officials. They're, they're the brother, their cousin, their, their friend, the guy across the street, the guy that runs the bar at the corner. Um, they all know each other. They're, it's, it's, it's all in the family. And, 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 and bottom line is they got all the way to the end. It's really fascinating. They, they finally got the warrant for his arrest. They, they worked with the Russian government. They got all the way to the point where they were going to do the arrest. And and they said it was delayed. It was delayed. They're waiting for the for the for the warrant or whatever to go in. And they had that delay one day. And then they went in, and he was gone. And they said he had left two hours earlier. And and so somebody tipped him off. I mean, somebody tipped him off. And it's exactly what you just said. So it, it may be the same individual doing multiple jobs, or or you're in, you're mm-hmm. out, you're in, you're out. You know, you're you're yeah. part of the you're part of the community. You're not part of the community. My brother's in the community. My friend is. My brother, my, my uncle. You know, and and I'm not saying it's mm-hmm. all of it. I'm not saying it's totally corrupt because I don't believe it is. But I think there's a lot of it. And that's when people say, you know, Putin knows about everything going on in Russia. He may not know about everything, but he allows certain things to happen. Um, you know, did he know that, you know, dark side was going to hit the colonial pipeline or not? I mean, maybe it's plausible deniability. Maybe he didn't. But he he sets the framework in place, their team, you know, to allow certain things and not allow yeah. certain things. I, and um, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that he knows who's behind a group. Um, I don't necessarily believe that he knows who all the targets of those groups are. Um, and, you know, what I'm pretty confident is, you know, that they're probably all somewhat, you know, trained uh, in certain areas as well. Um, so, um, it allows them to, to wear those many hats. So I, I completely, I mean, for me, it's, 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 you may not be aware of what all of the activities are exactly doing, but you, you definitely is guaranteed in Russia, they know who they are. Um, and they're letting them get right. away. And, they get, and I think to Dan's point, they, they set the framework, right? Like if you sort of put the boundaries on who's off limits and who's, who's not, then those, those, those groups can operate within that framework not having to say, oh, you know, and yep. right, there's that, that, those guidelines in place, essentially. And, 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 and I think the other money, piece of it is exchange. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. a possible deniability. Absolutely. The, 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 the organization can, it works to their interest. Cyber is an area where they feel like they have an advantage. And strategically, mm-hmm. we may say, no, you don't. You know, we've got Harvard, Yale, MIT. We've got the best cyber people in the world. And believe me, I, I don't, know all of them, but I know a lot of them in NSA, they are very, very good. So we have a lot of good people on our side fighting for us. But, you know, the, the rest of the world feels like, you know, you don't need to build a, a $2 billion, you know, aircraft carrier. Um, you know, you can just get a PC and a lot, get, get a laptop and internet connection and, and hack away, right? And so everybody feels like the internet is like the big playing field that, that enables somebody in deep, dark Africa, you know, to, to, to do what they need to do. And um, so, yeah, it's it's a challenge. Absolutely, I'm I'm really hoping that this you know ransomware task force does take off, and I I would definitely want to see this as something as a you know definitely multiple country, uh, multiple states you know uh, working group. I don't think it needs to be 
a U.S. only initiative. I think you know, all countries need to sign up. I think this needs to be. I don't probably, think it can be a U.S. only. I mean, yeah. it, it'll fail if it's a U.S. only initiative. Yeah, it has to be. You know, potentially Sorry, even I, within NATO yeah. um, would be. You know, this this probably you know should be more of a NATO um, or uh, at least a multiple country initiative. Um, I think you know it needs to be centralized um, in regards to the working. We do have the NATO Cyber Defense Center of Excellence, but it's more of a a research location. I think we really need to have into more of an actionable, um, you know, cyber cyber center that is more about not just the research and the academical side of things, but more focused about uh, you know, basically you know, offensive capabilities or reaction or political. You know, they need to have some actionable side of things. Uh, so definitely hope that uh, this becomes much more of a a centralized kind of global uh, cooperative uh, group that will really make sure that all of these actions that they set out, whether it being to do with uh, the transparency and holding countries accountable to um, you know, tracking and tracing the money, um, to making it more difficult for criminals to be successful, um, getting you know, all of those things that were set out, that the five that you mentioned earlier, Dan, I, I really do hope that they come to, to really um, something that does become a concrete uh, working, uh, you know, let's say, strategy. But it definitely, I mean, my concern is that ransomware is going to be here to stay. <laughs> and, and it will yeah, evolve. I mean, I think it is. I think, yeah, I mean, there's, but hopefully we can minimize its impact, its its um, attractiveness, so on and so forth. Absolutely. Well, it, it's evolving too, guys. And you, yeah. you know that, I mean, it's it's not just, you know, it was about encrypting data. And, and we, mm-hmm. a year ago, two years ago, we were talking about, you know, do data breach laws apply to ransomware because they're not actually stealing the data; they're just encrypting it. And and you know, those days are long gone, right? I mean, I mean, now they're, right. they're exfiltrating the data and they're encrypting it, and they're holding the exfiltrated data, a la you know what happened in in Ireland with the National Health Service. You yes. know, saying, well, you know, well, we're sorry, we didn't mean patients to be impacted. You know, cancel all your all your mm-hmm. appointments and everything. So we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll give you the data back. But we still need you to pay the ransom when we're going to release all that sensitive private data on your health records to the public. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it, it or is the D.C. Now. police. Yeah. And so same thing that happened to the D.C. police. Right. Correct. Sorry, exactly. I mean, uh, and and, to, and there's a long list. I mean, it's, it's weekly. If you right. follow the stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, not everything's making the front page of The Washington Post every, anymore. But but there's there, there's I heard one person say it's a ransomware every three minutes. That, that seems a little bit too much to me. But I don't know. I, I it's. It's crazy, the numbers. It's happening all the time. And mm-hmm. then the other question is, we don't even know how much of it is happening that we don't, it's not reported. You know, that it, it, there's stuff, the payments are being made and the police never even know about it. So it's not even being reported. Um, so I, I do think it's evolving, you know, what we call ransomware today because it was, rans- because it was you know, encrypting data and holding you for ransom to pay. And then we'll give you the, you know, the key. And, you know, that's obviously not even, it's almost like a 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. I mean, and, yeah. and so at some point we may have a different name for it. We'll rename it to something else, extortionware or something yeah. else. Extortionware, I mean, right. The one yeah. that you came up with, Mike. That's, that's what it was. <laughs> so, but absolutely. I think we're, we're in you know, version two of ransomware you know, evolution where it really is about, you know, it does, when you think about last year, Verizon Data Breach Investigation Report did not classify it as a data breach. Um, where previously it was a security incident before that in previous years, but now it's classified as a data breach because it is about data exfiltration. Um, so really, you know, when you think about the CIA trade, a triad of confidentiality, integrity, and availability, um, so all of that, you know, that is now being impacted, ransomware impacts all three of those now, where it used to be just two. It used to be about the availability of the, the systems and uh, the um, uh, confidentiality. Now it's about the integrity as well. All of those are now being basically impacted um, by ransomware. And I think, you know, we're about to see with, with the money that's going into it right now, I'm worried that, you know, 3.0 um, is going to be much more sophisticated and, uh, you know, our defenses are probably not going to hold up. And so we have to be, we have to be ready. We have to be very diligent about watching the, how the ransomware is evolving itself in regards to its coding. Um, and we have to stay on top of that so we know what to expect in the future. You know, otherwise we'll get into another situation where, you know, the WannaCry and Petra. Um, where you know maybe there is no kill you know kill uh, chain in it. Um, we have to be kind of really diligent about when those scenarios do happen. Um, that how it spreads and how it impacts. We have to be prepared. Uh, we can't we can't just be 
you know, sitting by and waiting for it. We have to be basically in top. And, and that means intelligence gathering. You know, that means the agencies really do have to be infiltrating these organizations so we can prepare and pre- hopefully prevent it from happening in the first place, you know, preventing from being able to create it and distribute it. We can actually get it at the source and stop it from actually, you know, getting out. Uh, one friend of mine, a CSO from a, a large state was saying, you know, we've been very fortunate in these incidents, which is interesting, a word that most people aren't using right now, because I mean, you pay 11 million and you pay 5 million in Bitcoin. In the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot of money. But you know, what if ransomware? You know, again, we get back to this question. I think we talked about it last time: the motives, the intentions. If, if it's just about money and, and criminals and and that, that's one thing. What if it got fell in the hands of terrorists who didn't really? It wasn't about money. It's about bringing down the grid or causing harm. Or I'm not going to give you the right. key. We're, you're not going to recover. And and the intention is not just about you know I don't care if you offer me 100 million dollars. I'm not going to do this. I'm my goal is to bring down the banking system. My goal the is harm. to bring down the, the the electric grid. And the intention you know of North Korea or I don't know who somebody a terrorist organization. Um, it's not a money motive. And and I think that's yes. I think the fear that no one's really talking about publicly right now. Um, because most of these people, it's like there's been a dollar figure, you, you know, we negotiate the price, we offer 50, we settle for 11, yeah. you know, yada, yada, yada. It's, 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 a, it's a, I want my ch- child back, here's the money, get your child back. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not, that's not where it may go. So it's, it's hard to know where it's going in the future. I think people realize that it could be even worse and it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Although I personally mm-hmm. believe one thing optimistically, I think in the short term, we're going to have a little bit of a detente with the big players to see how this plays mm-hmm. with Russia, whether it holds me in the long term, I'm less optimistic about. Um, but I mm-hmm. think that maybe they take a step back from the line to send the boys off to the beach for a little while. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, we'll see. We'll We'll see. We'll see um, what happens, um, but I, I, I do think that um, it's a it's it's a growing issue. We'll probably be talking about this again in a future future show. Yeah, yeah. No, my, my final thought was actually pretty similar to Dan's. It was maybe much much darker, which is if I'm Iran or North Korea or any of these other countries, why am I putting money into a nuclear program uh, at this point? <laughs> I should be putting my money into a hacking program. Um, that's the you know, and, and that's uh, that's what China is doing, and, and I'm sure they are. I mean, I, I'm not naive to think that they're not trying to do both, right? Like, yeah. but um, but yeah, it's the uh, it's 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 scary when you start thinking about it from an ideology perspective and not just a criminal perspective. Absolutely, um, when you look so, at yeah. some of the countries that is investing in, in cyber, and China is definitely one of the one of the biggest mm-hmm. ones. They probably out of investment in security and cyber, uh, China is probably up there in the top, at least top three. Um, so, you know, when, when you see where countries are investing, that's where, you know, you have to be uh, worried and kind of looking at is, is what's the implications of that in the future. So I agree. Hopefully, hopefully that, uh, you know, this is a, a starting point for, for the turning uh, of, of ransomware and, and be able to find a good global cooperation. Um, because my, my view is that no country can win this alone. Uh, this is not something that you can win alone as a single country. And therefore, it means that we have that strong cooperation. And I think the recent summit is a starting point. I think having discussions and having open communication with Russia is a starting point. I think, you know, that's thing, things that do have to happen. Um, so hopefully it's, it's a positive direction in the future. Um, you know, it's not to say that we will not see ransomware victims in the near future. It will happen. It's, it's inevitable. These, these criminal gangs want to make sure. money. And I think Dan, you're absolutely right. Motivation, money. Um, that's why we'll see, continue to see them in the near future. But hopefully, we'll get to a place where there's actually fewer places that countries will give them safe havens to operate from. Yeah. And it will actually then become much more difficult from a money perspective, and also that they will be convicted and, and brought to, to justice, um, and that there will be less places for them to, to, free places in the world for them to enjoy their luxury um, uh, from their, their rewards. So um, hopefully, everyone out there, hopefully, it's been educational and enjoyable. Um, you know, definitely, Dan, it's awesome having you back in the show again. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm hoping this yeah. isn't the third prediction come true. <laughs> uh, you know that that does become much more of a terrorism weapon. Um, I hope that's. Um, let's say I'm hoping our uh, intelligence and agencies. That was not my uh, idea, Joe. That, that was that was a wise <laughs> a wise CISO who said that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name yep. him and throw him under the bus, but. So. Yeah. Let, let's hope that the agencies are 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 kind of you know let's say advanced enough to to stop those from actually you know turning into reality. 
Um, and uh, so, you know, definitely for, for you know, our defensive capabilities and offensive, I hope that that's, uh, that's something that we, we have on top of and we have great people to, to defend and protect uh, countries around the world. So again, awesome having you on the show. Um, for the audience, definitely, hopefully, you know, if you, you know, do basically have a security program, make sure that ransomware is one of your top, basically, threat, you know, priorities to reduce the risk and become as resilient as possible. Um, and look forward to having you, you know, come listen to the show every two weeks. This is 401 Access Denied. Um, it's a bi-weekly podcast, and we're always bringing the latest news, top kind of information, educational awareness to you. Um, so hopefully you enjoy listening and see you soon. Stay safe. Thank you. Learn how your team can get a free trial of Cybrae for Business by going to www.cybrae.it slash business. This podcast is also brought to you by Thycotic, the leader in privileged access management. To learn more, visit www.thycotic.com.